0: If you've ever loved a dog, you know how hard it is to lose one, especially to cancer. I'm Carrie Dozer, and this is TGen Talks. Sure, TGen is pioneering precision medicine for specific types of cancer in humans. But did you know the research also extends to canines? More than half of all dogs over the age of 10 will be diagnosed with cancer. And TGen is helping to create new technologies to diagnose and cure cancer when it happens to man's best friend. For this version of TGen Talks, we're back in Phoenix, downtown at TGen's headquarters. And we've got a guest on the program who's um, part of TGen, but a, a new part, sort of a spin-off part. David Haworth, president of Vidium. Welcome to the TGen Talks podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Great to be here, Carrie. Thanks a lot.
0: Are you like a child of TGen? Tell me who Vidium is and how you came to be.
1: We are sort of like a child of TGen. So, uh Vidium Animal Health is the animal health subsidiary, a fully-owned subsidiary of, of TGen, which, of course, is an affiliate of City of Hope. So we get to leverage all of that extraordinary expertise of genomics and cancer knowledge and, and you know the incredible cutting-edge technology that TGen is generating,
0: and we get to put it to use for our animals. You work with... Uh, you work with dogs. Well, you don't work specifically with dogs. You work on medicine to help dogs. What does Vidium do?
1: Well, I, I am a veterinarian by training, so I, I do sometimes still work with dogs, if they'll have me. But <laughs> um, but yeah, we are a diagnostic company. So we have a genomic diagnostic test that we currently offer and have for the last two years that looks at tumors that happen in dogs. We get a piece of that tumor, we extract the DNA, and we look at 120 of the most important genes that could drive the growth of that tumor uncontrollably. Now, most of those are very analogous to the same kind of genes we see in humans, but there are critically important differences between them. We have about 7,000 publications for both the human side as well as canine-specific that we've uh, collated and curated into our database, which is called InSight. Uh, And we then can tell veterinarians and pet families What are the mutations that are driving those tumors' growth? And hopefully, we can then leverage one of the human-targeted therapeutics that are orally available and can be given to your dog at home to stop that tumor in its tracks and and extend the life of of our dogs, which is far too short anyway.
0: It seems like cancer occurs in dogs more often than it used to. Are more dogs getting more cancers? Well,
1: it would seem so. And, And so here's the two things to think about. First of all, dogs are what we like to say, relatively inbred. We selectively breed them. So golden retrievers, you know, the 350,000 golden retrievers that are in the United States are more closely related than a, you know, your your family reunion. Right. So that's one thing. And inbreeding does tend to predispose dogs to cancer. So we have a higher representation in dogs of cancer than we do in people. However, cancer is also the disease of last resort. So Uh, certainly when i was young we used to see or when i was even in practice 25 years ago we would see a lot of hit by cars because Mm -hmm. dogs would run loose on the street you never see dogs running loose on the street now (laughs) or else there'd be an immediate facebook outcry right so dogs aren't getting hit that means they live longer their nutrition is better that means they live longer and when you live longer unfortunately cancer is the disease that's going to end up catching up with you.
0: Is there any research into what causes the dog's cancer? I know you're all about treating it, but but do you do a little bit of that too? Oh yeah, we do a lot of it.
1: In fact, now and even in my previous roles, we've we've looked a lot about the causes of cancer and the fact is it's the same kind of causes as we see in people except very few self-inflicted ones. So you don't see dogs with Lung cancer because of smoking. They rarely smoke. Rarely do. Uh, Just the bad ones. (laughs) But then, uh, but we do see the same kind of obesity issues. We see environmental toxins. We can see radiation. We can see uh, other kinds of toxins which cause it. But usually it's just bad luck. You know, we roll the genetic dice every time a cell divides. And if there's a mutation in one of those, one of those genes that can drive a cancer forward or that set of genes that drive a cancer forward, well, well, that cell starts to divide uncontrollably and breaks the rules.
0: You said at the beginning of our conversation that you are a veterinarian, and I have no doubt that your neighbors ask you to look at their dogs all the time. Needless to say, that's not what you do every day now. How did you get from being a veterinarian to being the president of Vidium? Uh,
1: long, strange trip. I'd love to tell you that I always knew that I was going to do something like this. Uh, I graduated from veterinary school also trained to have a phd at that time did a postdoctoral fellowship in cancer therapy i thought i was going to be an academic uh i decided to go into private practice was there for a short time then joined pfizer in their animal health division i was there for 11 years seven of them in research and development four in business development loved the whole idea of creating organizations and helping guide organizations forward then joined a group called Morris Animal Foundation as their president and CEO. Morris is the largest funding agency for veterinary-specific research. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, became uh, senior vice president and president of PetSmart's charities divisions. So at PetSmart, we were giving away around $70 million a year to welfare agencies wow. across the United States and Canada. And and that was, that was wonderful. But I will say that my heart always stayed in science and medicine. Uh, and while the animal welfare community was fantastic and, and warm and welcoming to me, I always knew I wanted to get back to the little bit more hardcore science. And so that's what TGen allowed us to do as Dr. Trent uh, said, hey, there's we think that it's time. There's The science is there. We can get to a price point that's low enough because remember veterinary medicine is Self-paid, right? Anything we do for our everybody pets, who
0: has a dog will tell you it's to. very self-paid. <laughs> yes, I know.
1: <laughs> and then you know, it's uh, uh, that, on that note, it's always fascinating to me if you say, you know, I had my dog's knee repaired at the veterinarian, and can you believe that it cost three thousand dollars? And I say yep. that's funny because I had my knee repaired at a human physician, and can you believe it cost me thirty yep. um, thousand dollars? There is that pay aspect, but you know, genomics. And these technologies have come down in price to a point where we can actually offer them to a veterinarian, and then the veterinarian can, in turn, offer them to the pet families without putting you know, an extraordinary burden on people.
0: But your goal, obviously, is to find the best tests, the best diagnostics available. What has Vidium done to date? What are you most proud of? What are your products that are out there?
1: You know, this team... Um, I think the thing, to, to be honest, the most the thing I'm most proud of is the, the team that we've assembled. Uh, it is a group of mutually supporting, wonderful, extraordinarily intelligent and efficient people. They just love the mission that we do, and they put their hearts and souls into it all the time. What we've done to help the pets is launched two tests that we we offer now. Uh, Searchlight DNA is that 120 gene panel that we can look at, uh, at tumors any kind of tumor from any kind of dog and tell the owners and the veterinarians what are those mutations that are driving the tumor growth. We also offer a histopathology service. I would argue it's the best one qualitatively in the, in the country.
0: And what does it tell a dog owner?
1: So it's the same thing as a pathology report would look like for you or me. It's you take, take that tumor out, put it on a microscope slide, and these extraordinarily talented pathologists that we have will read that slide and say, here's the type of tumor that you're dealing with, this is what, is it a, and it's a bad version of that type of tumor, or it's not such a bad Mm -hmm. version of that type of tumor, and here's what you need to be thinking about next. And then in development, probably the most exciting thing that we have is a test that's going to be launched uh, probably late next year, uh, which is a blood test for your dog to tell you whether or not there is cancer lurking somewhere in that body.
0: It's a simple screening that you can, if you don't have any concerns about cancer, but you want to know if there's something you can't see.
1: For dogs that are over six years of age, over four years of age in dog, in dog breeds that are predisposed to cancer, think golden retrievers or Labrador retrievers or Bernese Mountain dogs or boxers, or I could keep going. Mm-hmm. Or anytime you sus- uh, the veterinarian suspects cancer, can't ask because remember we're dealing with dogs here so if if you or i have lower back pain and it's insistent or a headache we can go to our doctor and say i've had this headache for Mm -hmm. two weeks i think something needs to be done until a dog is pressing its head against the wall you really don't know so these early screening tests have really remarkable opportunities for us to catch
0: cancer early and deal with it more effectively A simple blood screen for a dog over the age of six seems to be a no-brainer. Is there any reason that once you release this product, that every vet won't want to have it? That every dog owner can't possibly access that? Well, I will say, Carrie, I love my profession
1: and I love my professional colleagues. I will say that sometimes we're a little slow to adopt new technologies. But beyond that, so it comes down to education and marketing and just the thing, the, the basic blocking and tackling of introducing a new concept into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, no, I don't think so. We're targeting a price to the veterinarian of $150, so there'll be some markup to the pet parent, but you can incorporate that kind of a test into your annual physical exam for your pet. And i, I we have every reason to think that it's going to be a very useful test, but also, there's about 65 million dogs that it'll be recommended for. So uh, if we talk about a commercial opportunity there, it's also pretty, pretty mind-boggling. Uh, just 1% of those recommended dogs would turn out to be about $150 million in revenue.
0: What are the biggest stumbling blocks to what you do, to developing a new product and to getting it, I guess, getting it on the shelves at a store or on the list of available options <laughs> at the vet? You know, I think there are the technical
1: aspects. You know, these are not are not slam dunks. This mm-hmm. isn't something you can just pick up or order from Amazon. This is a, these are pretty high-tech reference lab type of tests that require a great deal of background and a great deal of expertise, and thankfully our team has it. So the technical risks, and then there's the just the commercial aspects of it. How do you communicate effectively to veterinarians who are extremely busy right now and generally almost overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Cancer is the number one fear of pet parents, yet pet veterinarians do not have very many options to deal with it. There are board certified oncologists, we actually have one on our team, Um, but there's only about 400 of them. And so if you're in most places in the country, it's very difficult to access those oncologists. And so you tend to go to your general practitioner and general practitioners aren't allowed by OSHA to give some of those really hardcore chemotherapy options even if families wanted to have them. So veterinarians are sort of stuck without very many options right now. And what we hope is by giving them the diagnostics to both screen for that cancer and then deal with the treatment of that cancer, because most of the human targeted therapies are orally available, Veterinarians can prescribe them, according to the Animal Drug Use Clarification Act of 1994. (laughs) Which other
0: pet parents do not think of either. They've never heard of it. Who
1: would? Right. But according to that law, veterinarians can prescribe any drug approved by the FDA for any species, including humans, as long as we believe they'll be safe and efficacious. So I can use all of those human drugs and and prescribe them. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, David, but that's $100,000 and no pet parent can afford that. That's not true. Many of those are now coming off patent. Many of those are generic. And so you're talking about, yeah, they're not free, but they're manageable. And if we could get that oral treatment being prescribed by the veterinarian based on the diagnostics that they've run, then you know, you're know you're all of a sudden keeping that patient in your clinic, you're keeping the bond with that family,
0: and you're helping that pet with cancer. And that's really the goal at the end of the day. What does being a child of TGen, if that's the right relationship, what does that mean for Vidium? Is it, is it an exchange of information? Is it mentorship? What does it do for you to be so closely related to TGen?
1: Yeah, so all of those things.
0: <laughs> as it's been
1: explained to, to us and as we've experienced, part of TGen's mission is to incubate new innovative ideas that can be commercially successful and spin those out. So what it's meant for us is over the past several years, we've received uh, extremely good license terms for technology that come in so we can be the exclusive veterinary use of a given technology. Mm -hmm. We have received uh, help through things like HR and IT and those kinds of things that a small company like ours probably couldn't do at the same level of quality by ourselves. Uh, We certainly received a lot of mentorship from the the senior leadership of of TGen. Tess Burleson's my direct uh, contact. She's my direct supervisor for all those intents and purposes. And then lastly, we received laboratory space. So uh, for the first three years of the business, we've had our labs here in the building, in the headquarters of TGen on the fourth floor and processing commercial samples as they've been coming in. We've signed lease to to have a new lab space, which we're pretty excited about, free ups for the next incubated company for TGen. That's gonna be uh, in North Scottsdale, so we're we're really excited about moving up there.
0: Anything that I missed about Vidium, about what's next on the horizon that you want people to know?
1: Uh, The thing I would say is, these technologies aren't just for people. Um, I understand that for most people, humans are the species that they want to help mm-hmm. it's not the case for some of us some yeah. of us we think that you know there's never um there's never any evil in these guys and we're always get to be healers of the innocent and and that's a pretty groovy thing so being able to leverage the technologies that come out of a place like t-gen in order to help our four-legged family members i you know there's nothing better and um I think it's, it's pretty cool for your listeners just to know that TGen is, is, has that wide of a scope in its total mission.
0: David Haworth, uh, president at Vidium, thanks for taking the time today. It's really fun to hear about what you're doing. It's been a joy, thanks so much. Thanks. For more on TGen's research, go to tgen.org news. The Translational Genomics Research Institute, part of City of Hope, is an Arizona-based nonprofit medical research institution Dedicated to conducting groundbreaking research with life-changing results, you can find more of these podcasts at tgen.org/tgentalks, Apple and Spotify, and most podcast platforms. For TGen Talks, I'm Carrie Dozer.